Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. And continuing from last week, we talked about receive the word. This week I'm talking about hear the word. Hear the word. Go to James chapter 1. Verse 19, a very familiar passage of Scripture, James chapter 1, verse 19. And I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. And it says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So, right here... It says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. We have the opposite of that. We have quick to speak, slow to hear. The disciples, even Peter himself, was slow to hear and quick to speak, wasn't he? He spoke a lot of times when he shouldn't have. I mean, there was a time when Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter sees Elijah and Moses, and he's like, should we make a tent for, these, for you guys? He just spoke out of turn, and then God said, this is my son, who I, my dearly beloved, whom, who I'm well pleased with. He's like, Peter, shut up. Stop talking. What are you doing? And this is like us. I feel like sometimes a lot of us are like Peter. We speak up when we should not speak. But the Bible says to be slow to speak and quick to hear. We are living in a time where there are so many voices out there. And if we're not carefree, careful, I don't know what that word was, careful, We'll get caught up in the same rhetoric and the same dialogue, and we'll get into this place of arguing and debating with other people. It's not right. See, we have to guard our heart. You have to guard your heart. And the only way you can do this is being slow to speak, quick to hear. When it comes to hearing the word, because this is what it's talking about, as you hear the word, slow to speak. Think about the word itself. Remember, last week we talked about Jesus is the word. So ultimately what you are doing when you receive Jesus, you are receiving the word. You're receiving the word of God. And in his word, it's just like the Bible says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So if Jesus is the word, that means the word is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to know Jesus, go to his word. If you're trying to get some psychedelic or some type of uh, spiritual thing to happen in your life by getting sidekicks and doing all that witchcraft and to get a voice from God or from the afterlife, let me tell you, it's not right. Go to his word. Go to his word. That's where he's speaking because that is the way, that is the truth, and that is the life. It says, be quick to hear. See, his word will direct you. It will lead you. His word is like a compass that leads the home. I don't know if you remember this. About a year and a half ago, Pastor Brian talked about the family in the living room. He talked about this compass in the living room and how it leads the family when you put God in the center. Anybody remember that message? But his word is a compass to your life. It directs you. 
If you are lacking direction, if you are lacking hearing the voice of God, if you do not have purpose and you are confused and feel like it is just distraction and dysfunction, then you need to get his word in the center of your life because it will lead you and direct you. It says this in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, my sheep. Well, how come the world can't hear his voice because they are not his sheep? Until he is their good shepherd, they can't hear him. A shepherd leads the sheep. Have you ever seen a shepherd's staff? That shepherd's staff does multiple things. It has a little hook on it, right? It pulls the neck of that sheep. They correct the sheep. Leads the sheep. That's what that staff does. It's the same way within our life. You ever felt like you've just been pulled? You ever felt corrected or instructed or disciplined from the word of God? Or maybe from the voice of God from your pastor before? That's biblical. Do you know that? It's biblical. Now, some people, some pastors take it to extreme and it's abuse. So if you've ever been abused, I'm sorry, but that's not right and that's not of God. Sometimes people get a power trip. Sometimes people get a power trip and they just go on their own. I don't know what it is. It's probably because they weren't loved when they were younger. But the biblical way and the correct way is to lead and to instruct and to disciple you for the ministry, for the work of the ministry. We know that's the purpose of the fivefold give, is to equip you, to empower you. Why are you here today? What is your outcome for today? What is your goal for being here this morning? Is it just to hear the worship, hear a message that will inspire you, but not really apply in your life throughout the week and live the same way, never get free, never grow, never see the process of God's word working in your life because that's what it is. It's a process. If today you are the same that you were five years ago or three years ago or two years ago, you can't put the blame on him. But this should also encourage you and kind of give a little fire on your behind and say it's time to get up. It's time to be driven. It's time to have some passion. It's time to have some drive. But it only comes from being with the Lord. But it says, my sheep hear my voice. Hear my voice, and, they, and I know them, and they follow me. So how do you follow after him? By hearing him. So when it comes to all life issues, when it comes to life itself, when you get in his word, and you get understanding of his word, and that only happens through study, that happens to being under the teaching of God's word. That's why it's so important to go to the house of God because you're going to be taught the word of God. And as you listen, you're taking notes, you're meditating on the word throughout the week. What's happening is you are able to follow after him because you hear him. I remember when I was in high school, my best friend's mom could whistle really loud. And He's heard it for so long in his life that he recognized his mom's whistle wherever. We could be on the other side of the church, and it was a big church, and she would whistle, and he like, my mom's calling me. It's like a dog. He hears that whistle. And he's like, oh. seriously. It was recognizable because he knew that whistle. He knew that sound. It's the same way with God. When you hear God, you recognize that sound. When you read his word, you recognize it, and you respond, or you follow to it. In Romans chapter 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. 
In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, it says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, you'll hear, This is the way. Walk in it. It's his word that will lead you and direct you. Today, if you're just waiting on God, you're going to wait for the rest of your life. Waiting isn't just sitting around doing nothing. Waiting is like being like what we call a waiter, serving God, serving him, doing something. You got to do something. You got to wait on the Lord in the sense of applying his word and living it out. Because if you just sit around and say waiting, it's just like this is the waiting game. I'm waiting for a word. I'm waiting for God to tell me to do something. Because most of the time God's already told you what to do. You're just being blatant rebellious and don't want to do it. You ever been there before? I have. It's not a good place to be because then it just feels like the voice of God shuts and you don't even hear him anymore until you be obedient on the word that he's already gave you. And maybe that's what's going on today for you. God's already given you a word, but you haven't listened to the word that he's given to you and you want it to be a different word. No, receive the word, hear the word, apply the word, walk in the word, do the word. So hearing the word is not the end, but it's just the beginning. What you do next is important, and this is doing. In James chapter 1, verse 19, continuing, it says, Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word or the engrafted word. The Bible says to receive with meekness. The word meekness means a mild or a moderate or a humble or a submissive heart. So you receive with a humble heart the engrafted word. And that word engrafted means the implanted by nature or implanted or inborn. When you got saved, you were engrafted into a kingdom, a kingdom that is not failing, a kingdom that is not defeated, but you are part of the kingdom of God. See, he took you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in to the kingdom of light. And you are dear children of God. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You have been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus. And today when you accept your right and come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, which happens through salvation, when you walk in that and you say, God, I believe and I receive you, something within you changes. Your nature changes. Your mind changes. The way you live, the things you do change. And people out there see it and experience it. See, when people come to the house of God, they should see that God is moving. They should see that God is moving in a region. I didn't come here five years ago believing that church was going to be the same status quo. It was going to be apostate and dead. No, I came because I knew that God was moving on the Mornington Peninsula. And you and me are part of what God is doing. If you want to see revival, you got to get up. You got to do something. You got to apply the word. This place has not seen a revival for years. And I believe that pursue church. I believe that men and women like you and me that are here are going to see it, but it's going to happen when you allow the word of God to get in you deeply because what are deep roots? Well, deep roots, they get down deep within the soil. And as they get deep down within the soil, you begin to bud, you begin to grow. And without your heart, without your mouth, it begins to show the evidence of what's been changed in you. See, you are part of something, a part of the kingdom that is not dead but alive. I don't think you understand. 
I don't think you understand. Because if you did, you wouldn't live according to your flesh. You wouldn't live according to the problem. You wouldn't live according to the circumstance. And I don't like that we just always fall in this category of just, you know, well, you know, look, the word's good and all, but you know, come on. Like, really? Life's hard. I mean, COVID's going around. All this stuff's happening. People are going crazy. I mean, really, does God's word really work? Yes, it does. God knew exactly where you were going to be in this timeline of life. He put you here for a purpose. It's not by accident. I mean, dear God, there's been worse things that have happened throughout history. Are we really going to allow a virus to stop the move of God? Are we really going to allow? No. Just because there's, just because there's rules and regulations and restrictions, it doesn't stop what God is doing on the earth. Be obedient. Submit yourself to the government. But serve God. Obey God. There's definitely a balance all the way. But I want to encourage you today that when you have a heart after God, you will love people. You will speak life into people. You won't judge people. The church shouldn't be divided. And right now, this is the most division that's ever happened before. And this is what the enemy wants. Because if he can divide the church, he can divide the region, and God can't do anything. Because God only works and moves through you and me. That's why we're here. So don't allow anger. The Bible says it. Don't allow anger or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Meaning that you've been given the righteousness of God, which is right standing with him. It's been given to you or imputed to you. But then out of that, you produce righteousness as well. So not only have you been given righteousness from Jesus for what he's done at the cross, but you also produce righteousness within your life. Can I tell you today, you're probably not going to like everything I say. You're probably not going to like anything or everything that you're, the people within the house of God say. You're probably going to disagree. You're probably going to have opinions and preferences. That's okay. But I can still love you. I said this a while back. We live in a time where tolerance is basically this. I, it used to be this way. I can tolerate you even if we disagree. But now it's different. I can't even tolerate you if you disagree with me. You have to agree with me. And if you don't, well, we know what society has said. There's been many movements recently that has come out of that. It's because you don't agree with me. And therefore, if you don't agree with me, guess what? I'm coming after you. So today, you got to remember that people come from all different types of backgrounds, places, and perspectives and experiences. They're not all on the same journey in the road where you are. But that doesn't make you better or greater. Now, what does the Bible say when Jesus heard the disciples arguing? What are you guys arguing about? And he said, guess what? The greatest of these are the ones that will serve. Do you know that I'm here to serve you? You're here to serve God. You're here to serve each other, one another, us. We're here to serve one another. How can I serve you when I don't like you? How can I serve you when I have an offense against you? How can I serve you when I'm bitter against you? I wouldn't be able to. I would have to first get right in my heart, ask God for forgiveness, and turn from that and forgive you and forgive myself for acting and treating you a certain way and love you. I know it's hard, but this is what the Word says. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness or humility 
the implanted word of God, the engrafted word of God, which is able to what? Save your souls. That word able says has the power. His word or his engrafted word, which you have received, has power or is capable of saving your soul. The word save means to save you from suffering or to save you from destruction, to save you from danger, to preserve you, to rescue you. This is what you have been given. If you are feeling today that you are bound up, you feel like you're chained up, you're feeling like life is just, you feel choked out. You feel like you can't breathe. You feel like you just don't know what to do. Receive the engrafted word of God that will save your soul because it has the power and the capability and is able to free you. In verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. The word doer means a maker, a producer, an author, a performer. Perform the word. Do the word. Produce the word. This year's year of multiplication. And I said this last week. The only way you are going to see multiplication or this rhema word that God has given the church. I've talked about the difference between rhema and logos. When you receive the word of God, this rhema word, it will only produce if you do it. You got to do something. You got to perform it in your life. You got to act upon it. You got to apply it. See, it says, be doers of the word. Jesus used this same point to conclude his great sermon on the mount. He said that, The one who heard the word without doing it was like a man who built his house on sand. But like a man, or but the one who heard God's word and did it was like a man who built his house upon a rock. What did Simon say to Jesus when Jesus asked, who does men say I am? Simon said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus said, you are no longer Simon Barjona, but you are Peter or Pet." or Petra, which means Petros, rock, and upon this rock or upon the church, I will, or upon you, I will build my church, and it says the gates of hell will not prevail. When you build your house or build your life upon the rock of our salvation, which is Jesus Christ, which is his word, when you build your life on the word of God, your house will be able to stand. If you are having dysfunction, if you are having chaos within your family, if you are having argument between your marriage, if you can't even live in your marriage within your home, if you are experiencing hell at the house, if I can say it that way, that's because the foundation within the home isn't built on the word of God. And if you have left that, if you have given that up and gone to something else, which is your mind or your opinion of how you see your wife or how you see your husband or how you see your kids, if you allowed that to be within you and that's how you see them, then you got to get right in your heart. And you got to put the word back in the center. You got to put the word of God back on the foundation of your home. And then when winds come, when storms come, when things come against you, it will stand and not fall. Forgive. Forgive. Don't hold a grudge. Get it right in your heart. Because why hold a grudge? Why allow the anger that you have towards that person to stop you from receiving what God has for you? Because if you don't get it right in your heart now, you're never going to get it right. Choose this day who you will serve. You're either going to serve your emotion 
and you're feeling, and you're right, that I have every single right to feel this way. You don't know what they did. It don't matter. Forgive. It said the one who heard and did God's word could withstand the storms of life and the judgment of eternity. And that's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, whoever wants that reference. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And it says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. I don't know about you. Who looked in the mirror today? Did you forget your face? Did you forget what you look like? I'm sure you saw the zit. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Maybe you had a long nose hair. You had to plug it. Maybe your ear. I've gotten, I've gotten older. Now I have to trim my ear hair. It's weird. Lady, like, trim your ear hair. I'm like, we talking about ear hair. And she's like, yeah, you do, bud. I'm like, all right. But I promise you, I, don't, I haven't forgotten what my face looks like. You know, it's like looking in a mirror and you get all dressed up. You know, you look, see if your clothes look good. Women, you put makeup on, you do your hair. You're looking in this mirror. And the Bible says, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. So for anyone, if is he a hearer of the word and not a doer. So if you're not a doer of the word, you forget what the word says. It doesn't come to remembrance to you. It just literally goes in one ear and out the other. And you don't apply it and don't live it. That's why it's so easy. I know a lot of people say, I've read the Bible in one year. I've read the Bible in a month. Like, that's great. What did you retain? It's good for the sake of reading, but I know a lot of people that are religious and just say, well, look at me. And the Pharisees are like that. And many times Jesus questioned them. I don't know if I said this. Maybe I did. Or I was talking to somebody. But the amount of questions that was asked of Jesus was 397 questions. Jesus only answered directly eight of those questions. Directly. Now, him, he himself, he asked over, 100, I think, 150-something questions. So if Jesus didn't answer directly to foolishness, can I encourage you? You don't have to either. See, the person who only hears God's word without doing it has the same sense and stability as a man who looks into a mirror and immediately forgets what he saw. See, the information he received did not do any good in his life. See, you are receiving information from the Word of God. It's called knowledge. But what you do with that knowledge after you have received it is what is going to transform and change your life. As you receive knowledge, you begin to understand God. And then when you begin to have knowledge and understanding, then you have wisdom. See, we have a lot of people asking for wisdom from God, but they don't have knowledge and understanding. So God, look, he'll give you wisdom, but it comes from knowledge and understanding of his word. So if you want wisdom, get wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. It comes from his word. It comes from a knowledge and understanding of who he is. Because I said this before, and I'll always say it, when you know God, you know who you are. If you are having an identity crisis and don't know the purpose and don't know who you are in this life and why you're even here, you've contemplated even taking your life, you contemplated, should I even be here? That's because you have not come to the understanding or the knowledge or the wisdom of who God is in your life. 
It's more than money. It's more than cars. It's more than material things. It's more than everything in this life. Another translation says, observing his natural face. And the Greek word observing is this idea of careful scrutiny. And it literally means this. James had in mind of people who give careful scrutiny of God's word. They may be regarded as Bible experts, but it still doesn't result in doing. See, knowledge and understanding is good, but it's how you apply it and do it within your life. Charles Spurgeon said this, The glass of the word is not like our ordinary looking glass, which merely shows us our extended futures. Features, But according to the Greek of our text, the man sees it, the face of his birth, that is the face of his nature. He that reads and hears the word may see not only his actions there, but his motives, his desires, his inward condition. When you read the word of God, it shows you your heart. It shows you where you are. And that's why a lot of people I feel like don't like going to God because they know they're wrong and they don't want to get right. But when you go to the Word of God, it will show you your desires. It will show you your motives. It will show you your intent. And then you have a choice. Do I get right? Do I get free? Do I allow His Word to work in my life? Verse 25, it says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, He will be blessed in his doing. You want to be blessed? You want to be blessed? You want to experience the blessing of God? It says, the one who hears and doesn't forget but acts will be blessed. Blessing comes from doing something. Now, look, I know that we have been given salvation and grace freely. It's a free gift. It wasn't by good works. But can I tell you, once you have received that, We do work. There is fruit that is produced from his word. If you think that your whole life serving God is about just living it up and you don't have to do anything, you're not going to experience his promises and his benefits within your life. you got to do something. Because not only is the fruit being produced within your life for yourself, but it's for the people around you. How will people know that you are a Christian if you aren't producing fruit within your life? How will your children come to know Christ without seeing you do it first? The reason I am the way I am and where, I'm at to, where I am at today is because of my father and my mother. I owe it all to them. Now, yes, I made a choice to serve God and follow after God in my teenager years, but I saw their example. I've said this before, but I'll use it again. Every Tuesday night was prayer night, worship night. We got in the living room. We turned some Hillsong on, Darling Check, Shout to the Lord album. I could sing every song to you. And we listened to that whole album. And we'd be praying. My dad would be on his face crying out to God. I would be crying just because I saw my dad crying. I didn't necessarily know what it meant. But I could feel God at that age. I remember feeling God at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. My parents put it in me by example. They were doing the word. You know, I know I've I've met a lot of people that call themselves Christian, but there's no fruit. And I'm not the judge, thank God, because he is. (laughs) Amen? Come on. (laughs) Know what the Bible talks about when he talks about judging. 
And he gives a lot more mercy than we do. But can I tell you, I've met a lot of people that say they're a Christian, but you couldn't tell. They would act just like everyone else in the world. That means something. Because how are we supposed to change people's lives? How are we supposed to bring this gospel, the light of the truth of his word, to people when we haven't even effect, it hasn't affected our life in itself? We haven't allowed it to work within our life. We haven't allowed it to produce in our life. Allow the word to produce. So as you hear the word of God, you do it. You live it out. And you got to remember this. you got two gates on your body. Eye gate, ear gate. These two gates, what you allow in, is going to affect your mind, your heart. And we know the Bible says out of your heart, the mouth speaks. That's why if you are speaking about all the problems that you got going on and just magnifying this and magnifying that and talking about what you have, what you've been diagnosed with and what's going on in the world today and what's going on in your family, how bad it is, and that's all you're talking about, that's a condition of your heart. It's because of what you have allowed in through your eyes and what you've allowed in through your ears. But when you get the Word of God and you open your heart to the Word of God and allow it to do the work that it can only do, not only will you start seeing different and hearing different, but you will start speaking different. You will start confessing different. You will start speaking the perfect will of the God's Word within your life. See, if you are speaking negative and speaking dev and just speaking a bunch of nonsense, it's because you are looking and hearing things that you don't need to be looking and hearing on. If you're constantly on social media and feeding on those things, it's not going to do you any good. You got to take some time away and get in the Word of God, get in the presence of God, and allow His Word to get deep-rooted within your heart. And when you do that, you will begin to speak life over your situation. You will begin to think life. And the moments when you begin to get, you know, stressed out, you feel the weight of the pressure of life because that happens. When you begin to feel that, no, you, you go back to that place. No, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I know what I've been given. I know what God's done in my life. Greater is he that's in me than is he that's in this world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Now, weapons may form. I know that when I put on the full armor of God, it says to stand. And having done all to stand, stand again. It says to rejoice in the Lord again, I say, and rejo rejoice again. Rejoice always. It says to count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience or steadfastness. That means you're going to go through, th through things as Christians. You're going to go through stuff. You are living in a fallen world. That's why I don't, a lot of people say, you know, if God's so good, if he's so great, why do bad things still happen? It's because they don't have an understanding that there is a spiritual world out there. There is a devil or a Satan, the enemy. But can I tell you, it's really easy to take authority over him. You have authority over the enemy. It says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and darkness of this age. Well, how do we fight the spiritual battle? With the armor of God. Do you know that the armor of God has defensive pieces of that armor, but it has only one offensive weapon, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So whenever you are in a battle, you use the Word of God. You can't just use your intellect. You just can't use your own mind and your opinion. You can't just go gossip to somebody and say, well, what is, what's going on? Can you help me? Can you give me some advice? Can I, I go to a doctor, and he gives me natural advice? That's fine and all, but get the spiritual advice from the Word of God and use it against your situation. you got to fight. You got to fight for your marriage. You got to fight for your kids. You got to fight for your family. You got to fight for this region. 
Or we could sit back, have some coffee, some tea, do a bunch of programs that aren't effective, sit around, get spiritually fat, and we're living the life. When's the last time someone got saved from under your word? When's the last time someone got completely transformed because of your witness? Oh, man, I know that's challenging. It's even challenging for me, but I receive it because I know why I'm here. I know why God's called me. I know why God's called you. I know why you're here. We are called to change the face of this world, and it starts right here within your home, within this church, within your family, within this region. So instead of thinking about the future and what's going to happen later, start thinking now. What can you do now? How can God use you right now? You say, I'm not bold enough. I'm not confident enough. It's not in me. Get in the presence of God and get it in you. That's, 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 that's where you get it. Can I tell you right now? Everything I am comes from him. The anointing, the grace, the gift is from him. But it's not about me. It's about him. This church isn't about a man, but it's about God. That's why you'll never see this church be based and built around a man or around a name. It's not. It's built around him. And within this church, there are men and women within sitting right here that have a gift of a preacher, of an evangelist, of a pastor, of a prophet, of an apostle. It's in here because that's what God has given to us within this house from our pastor. He carries that anointing and grace. So today, when you partner with it, when you serve, when you get involved, you're going to see the vision that God's put in your life come to fruition. Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to end this way. Mark chapter 4 talks about the parable of the sower. Very familiar scripture. And it talks about four different soils. Now, look, I was going to preach on this specifically, but I've gotten to James a little bit too long. <laughs> Just fine. But the parable of the sower is a very, I think a lot of people know it if you've read the word of God. It's found in two other areas within the Bible as well. But today I'm going to read it out of Mark chapter 4. And Jesus gives this parable, and then he explains the parable to his disciples. But before I read this, he said at the end of the parable, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have ears to hear today? Now, look, I know that maybe the preaching and all that stuff that I did today you don't like. Maybe that's different than where you're from. You know, flavor, taste, whatever it is. It is what it is. You know, I come from a church where that was nothing. I've seen people preach and run and shout. The Spirit of God touch people, and they start rolling backwards. Call them holy rollers. But don't knock it until you try it. <laughs> Just say it that way. <laughs> oh, but, where's that keyboard player at? Um, but listen, in verse 3, it says, listen, behold a sower 
went out to sow. And he sowed some feed along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now skip down to verse 13. The disciples, he answers, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And this is what he said. The sower sows the word. So the sower sows the seed or the word. The sower is Jesus. Jesus is sowing the word. He has sown the word into your heart or your soil. And today there are four different types of soil that Jesus talks about. You got the first one, which another part of the scripture says trampled underfoot or would not sink in. And this is the ones that are along the path where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan or the fowls or the birds of the air, says Satan, immediately comes up and takes the word or takes away the word that is sown in them. That's the first soil. The second one are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. And this is the one who hears the word immediately and receives it with joy. But they have no root in themselves. But endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, it immediately, they fall away. The third one, it says, the other ones are among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So the first three talks about are areas where the word isn't able to produce. It's three areas or three grounds or three types of people that hear the word of God, hear the message of the kingdom of God, hear the gospel. And as they hear it, because of these three areas, they're not able to receive it and it for it to produce within their life. And I could go into these three areas, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to. But then the last one says this. But those that were sown on good ground, or the seed or the word that was sown on good soil, those who heard the word and accepted it. Look, it says hear the word and accepted it. So you got to believe in it. And bear fruit means you do it. Because we know that bearing fruit or producing fruit only comes from doing it. It doesn't just come from hearing it. It comes from applying it. They accept it. They bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. You see, I believe that today the word of God that's been spoken for this year, multiplication, if you will receive it. Now, Jesus is directly talking about the kingdom of God, the gospel, the good news. But I'm taking this and using it as a principle today. If you will take the word of the Lord today for this year of multiplication and receive it, not allow it to fall stony ground or along the path not allow 
the cares of this life to choke up the word, meaning you see in this life through the same lens of last year, but to receive the word of God and to allow it to produce in your life. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.